Will this class ever end? I want you to take a second right now and think back to the most boring class you ever had in your life. Do I realize it's dangerous to do to start a sermon? We're going to go there. So think about that. What is the most boring class you ever had to sit through? I'm guessing, even if it happened not just in May 2021, but May of 1971, you can still picture that classroom just as it was like it happened yesterday. You still sit in that desk and it feels more and more uncomfortable by the second. You hear that droning voice of the teacher that seems even less excited to be there than you are, which is saying something. That kid next to you who without fail falls asleep every class period, snoring so loud you can feel your desk almost vibrating. What made that class so boring? And even if you tried doodling or mastering those 3D geometric shapes by the end of the year, it still didn't change the fact that this class was just unbearable. So what was it about it that you just couldn't stand? Maybe it was just the material, it's not applicable, it's irrelevant, why do we need to be in this class? Or the material was so far above you that to even try understanding this is impossible. And so no matter how many I need to go to the bathroom breaks you did, which is my go-to tactic to get out of that mind-numbing experience, you knew you still had to come back to the classroom. You still had to keep learning this material that you thought you didn't need. This class seems like total foolishness. It's boring. It's far-fetched. Why do I need to be here? We've all been there or are there right now or kids, I hate to tell you, will probably be there at some point in your future too. We've also all been in another classroom, too. But this classroom is completely different. It has a teacher who calls himself the Bread of Life, a unique title, no doubt. If you're like me, have you ever sat in Jesus' classroom and found the material he's giving you as foolish, far-fetched, irrelevant, boring? Those feelings were on the heart and on the mind of Jesus' former classmates, those Jews that we heard about in our gospel reading. See, these Galileans had known Jesus since he was yay tall. They had sat in school with him. They knew him really well. And so when you see, just imagine, you you see your friend that you grew up with who is just making bread and fish appear out of nowhere, who is healing every sickness that you have, I mean, it's understandable that they're following him wherever he goes. Now, right before the part of the Bible we're looking at today, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee. So that means this crowd followed him all the way around the rim to catch up with him. And it's easy to see why. He was their ultimate lifeline. Here, Jesus was their ticket to prosperity. It was like winning the mega millions. And if Jesus became king, now imagine that. They would have everything they could have possibly wanted. The life of luxury they thought was impossible would all be theirs. But Jesus is so much more than that. They're missing the point. And their former classmate, whom they saw working in Joseph's shop and who knew Mary and Joseph super well, that same classmate, now teacher, had so much more to educate them with. Jesus looks at this crowd and he has so much compassion for them. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. 
And in the crowd's mindset, so far, so good. Jesus, this sounds great. You know, you can just give us bread all the time. You can make water into wine. You can give us everything. The works, of course, will follow you. Of course, we'll keep coming to you. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says this next. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Hold the phone, Jesus. You didn't come down from anywhere. What are you talking about? Jesus, you grew up in Nazareth. We were there every step of the way. We saw you. How can you say you came down from heaven? It's, it's kind of sad, Jesus. Are you delusional? Like, what is going on here? Just stop boring us with this madness and just keep putting bread in our hands. Keep giving us what we need. Keep healing the things we're dealing with. And all of a sudden, those doubting sounds of mumbling and the ungrateful grumbling started among all them. And it kind of defined how they looked at Jesus. And maybe that sound of mumbling and grumbling can sometimes define how you and I look at Jesus too, right? You know, if you sat next to me in Jesus' classroom and you looked over my shoulder at my notes, I hate to tell you, but you'd find a lot of doodling A lot of times I haven't really been taking in Jesus' information for me that's so needed for life. Maybe your notes wouldn't be too different in your design. Well, Solomon said it in the Proverbs reading we looked at, right? By nature, we have no spiritual sense. We're spiritual simpletons. You know, when life hits us and we've got to find a way to fill these needs, to try to find what we're looking for, Often we open our life textbook and we start paging through Google and we start paging through what's in our brain and the logic there, the hard emotion, trying to find answers. Instead of just looking at the front of the room where our teacher stands ready to teach us exactly what we're looking for. Maybe it's just at times we find Jesus' methodology, the way that he presents the material to just not quite be what we're looking for when he teaches us the importance of having his mindset, a mindset that we can have conversations with people, even if we don't agree with them at all, but we can still listen with empathy. Instead of sitting there with our political feelings that are just bubbling up inside, they're ready to burst at any second, and we know when we start talking to somebody who has completely different views about COVID-19, completely different views about government, and we want to just prove them right, or prove us right, and prove them wrong, instead of just taking a breath, And just listening with empathy, responding in love, learning why they feel the way they feel, and showing Jesus through that. Or maybe it's how we try to approach our Heavenly Father. Our Father is the one who enrolled us in Jesus' class by faith in the first place. We couldn't walk into that classroom. We didn't have such high rank in the world that Jesus said, oh yeah, you're the best of the best, I'm going to put you in here. But isn't that sometimes how we look at life? And we start doing the mathematics in our head of, okay, I've been in church how many Sundays in a row? I do this at church. I look at how I live my life compared to my coworker. And we start going down this whole game thinking by the end of it, God must love me for all the things I've done for him. In reality, the only way we can come close to our Father, the only way that we can sit in Jesus' classroom is if God puts us there by his love. And all the while, as we're thinking about what it means to have Jesus as our teacher, so often we find the material he's giving to us as inapplicable, irrelevant, maybe even boring. 
So in the middle of our doubt and mixed with all this grumbling and mumbling, just like his family and friends, right? Jesus breaks through that. And look what he says. He looks at you and me from the front of that spiritual classroom and he says, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. He stops our spiritual daydreaming and doodling. And he points us back to this incredible truth. That God, despite all we are, despite all the things we do wrong, he continues in his undying love for you to put you into that classroom. Despite all our foolishness, he, he keeps going with us. He keeps teaching us. He puts us onto his educational framework for life that we can walk with him every step of the way. His teaching is the only thing in this life that can motivate us perfectly, that can give us a purpose that's undeniable, and can show us exactly the identity of who we are. And so... Do you get why Jesus has to use the mother of all learning methodology, repetition, over and over again? Just look at this gospel reading. Count how many times he says something to the effect of, I am the living bread, I am the bread of life, I am the living bread, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He does that because so often we forget just how incredible he is. We take for granted the grace of our God. I mean, just like his family and friends, he becomes all too familiar that we forget just how extraordinary Jesus is. And so he has to keep breaking through that forgetfulness to remind us of who we are and who, more importantly, he is. I mean, that's why at the beginning of our service, I should be getting chills every single Sunday when I hear the words that God, our merciful Father in heaven, has forgiven all my sins through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. We say this every week, and yet does it go past us without us even taking the time to just think about how amazing that is. That Jesus keeps teaching us. He keeps showing us the way to eternal life, even if we don't appreciate it. His teaching never stops, and his forgiveness never runs out. See, instead of feasting at this incredible meal that our dear teacher puts in front of us, we looked at all the wrong classrooms of this world, right? We, we looked at the things that the senses really grab hold to. I mean, just think about the manna that God gave in the wilderness. It was a miracle. It was awesome. But it was to fill a physical need. God's given you and I tons of different ways, tons of different things that fill our physical needs, and yet if we start looking to those as the answer for our spiritual needs, our emotional needs. It's not going to work. It's going to spoil. But there's a kind of bread that never spoils, a kind of bread that gives us life without end. That's why your Heavenly Father wants you to be in Jesus' class so badly. That's why he doesn't stop approaching you in the Bible, having those incredible father-child moments where he shows you just how important you are to him. He shows you why there's no better place for you to be than sitting at Jesus' feet. Having an education that Oxford or Harvard or Yale, they can't contend with it. And the whole curriculum is based around one subject, Jesus, a subject that has a depth that you can't ever get to the end to. I mean, the teacher is the material. And just think about how different that teacher is compared to you and me. You know, if I was Jesus and lifelong friends and family came at me telling me my teaching is wrong and it doesn't apply to me and it's boring, 
I mean, I would have hit these guys with a full-blown explanation of the incarnation, how the virgin birth happened, how all these prophecies I'd fulfilled. I'd, I'd give them a fire hose of all the different miracles I have done to show that I'm God, but that's not what Jesus does, is it? Instead of trying to prove himself logically or intellectually, he goes to a power that supersedes and overcomes all of our sin-tainted tools of intellect. He goes to the gospel. And look what Paul says about that gospel. He says, that gospel explains spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. When we get bored with Jesus or we have doubts about him, he keeps on coming back to one simple truth. I am the bread of life. He doesn't try to argue. He doesn't need to. Because the gospel does it. It doesn't need any arguing. It's just that powerful. So when you feel like your faith has no role to play in how you handle your life, when you feel like you're not finding the answers that you think you should find in God's word, just stop and just open up the word one more time and see once again how your heavenly father keeps drawing you and calling you and bringing you closer to him. The power of the gospel can't be stopped even by our own shortcomings. It overcomes them all. And the thing is, the gospel is not something just to be known in the head, but in the heart. It's found and seen in the actuality of living your life. In life experience, that's where you see God's grace in action. And you begin to see reality in an entirely different way. You see his selflessness that surrounds you in every moment. You see a Savior who keeps on repeating these same truths over and over again. Because you're that important to him. It's not like he's going to say it once and just say, well, they don't get it, so I'm going to move on. No. He keeps telling you I love you. And he keeps telling you how much you mean to him. And he keeps taking you in into your father's house. And your father has nothing better to do than sit down with you and talk to you through the word and hear from you as you pray to him. That's the kind of God we have. It's a classroom unlike any other. It's a classroom where we have a teacher who not only knows us better than we know ourselves, but he knows precisely the kind of love we need from God to see the heart of our God ever more clearly. He's a teacher that truly makes a difference in your life. He calls himself the living bread. And what that means is his relevancy and his application is always living. There will never be a time in your life where Jesus isn't the answer. There's never going to be a moment when you're lost and there's no hope for you because you have Jesus there. There's no even delusion in your mind that can stop Jesus from breaking through and telling you just how important of a student you are to him. There's all the time in the world for him to have these one-on-one conversations with you to show just how uniquely made you are and how uniquely built you are to live his teaching in your life. So when you sit at the feet of Mr. Bread of Life, Jesus, and you look around that classroom, no longer is it boring, it's invigorating. And as you live the teaching that he gives you in your life, you see Jesus in ways you never saw him before. And all of a sudden, that classroom isn't just one place, it's everywhere you go. And all the way through, your Heavenly Father is right there to support you, right there to encourage you, right there to sit down with you every moment of every day and talk with you. Because you have a heaven-sent education. 
An education that will always be worth it. An education that gives you a certainty that no uncertainty can touch. An education that gives you a future worth living for. So keep sitting in Jesus' classroom. Because you do have an incredible graduation banquet waiting for you in your heavenly home. And see how Christ-centered education, Jesus-taught education, it doesn't get any better than that. He is the greatest teacher, and what a joy it is to be his student. Amen. And him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be all glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.